So my biggest kind of lesson after all of this was, how do I live a life where the things that matter get done and then I stop and the day is over and I allow myself the chance to breathe, the chance to slow down. That is Jeff Sanders. And this is episode 419 of the Wellness Force podcast. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. How can we bring awareness and reverence to all the little mundane elements of our life and begin from that platform of sacred relationship to the self to begin to orient towards others in that same way? If you felt bad with the last millionth of a second, well, let go of the things that were making you feel bad that millionth of a second and be new right this millionth of a second. If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. This podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Organifi, the creators of the Organifi Gold, my number one turmeric, lemon balm, and superfood adaptogen bombshell that, trust me, will make you sleep like a baby. I know this because I use it on the regular. Not only is this one of my top sleep supplements I use personally, but also it helps my nervous system and my stomach calm down at the end of the day in the evenings, especially if I've had a stressful day. I know you have those too because you're human. (laughs) And because we're human, the best thing to do is take loving care of the human body, starting with quality sleep, not just quantity. This is gonna allow you to have the highest quality of life possible. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give this superfood adaptogen powder, the Organifi Gold, a test drive for a special deal over at wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. Pick up a 30-day supply, give it a test drive. If you don't like it, you can send it back, but no one's ever done that, (laughs) as far as I've heard. 20% off is the biggest discount you'll find over the entire internet. We're grandfathered in. These savings are for you. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi and use the code wellnessforce. Share this with your friends, your family, and anyone who wants to drink the gold and sleep well. Welcome to Wellness Force. It's Josh Trent, your host, and this is the most trusted place in the entire podcast world when it comes to discovering physical and emotional intelligence so you and I can live our lives well. I trust you're here to thrive in this modern day world like the rest of us. If that's true, you're in the perfect place to up-level your productivity, but not in the way you might think. Actually, the show today is most likely going to be controversial for many people because there's a price to be paid for too much productivity. I know you feel this, it leads to exhaustion. What do we do in this modern day world that's focused on incessant minute over minute, hour over hour, day over day, year over year, decade over decade growth? We'll share the solutions to overcome this modern day onslaught in this episode. If you haven't done so, make sure you hit subscribe on your phone, your device, your computer, wherever you're watching right now or listening on Spotify or Apple or Android. You'll never miss another free episode delivered right to your phone or device. And make sure you hit the little notification bell so you never miss a new episode, a brand new episode. Now, before we get into the show today, I want to remind you that you always have a place at the table here with us, at home with us. At Wellness Force. All you have to do to join us and also to get a free wellness guide, an ebook that I created for you, which will give you the six most powerful fundamental practices to revolutionize the way you start your day and your morning, is go to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. Now, this is where you're going to get the M21 wellness guide. It's been downloaded by tens of thousands of people and it's helped them completely shift 
their mindset, their breath work, and also their physiology when it comes to how you start your day. As we'll talk about with our guests today, how you start your day literally dictates the rest of your life. Pick up your free guide and join the community at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. My guest today is a keynote speaker, productivity coach, author of The 5 a.m. Miracle, The Free Time Formula, and also the founder of Rockin' Productivity Academy. He's also the host of a really amazing show, The 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast. This guy gets up early, which is ranked number one and has been ranked number one many times in Apple in the self-improvement category and nominated for six podcast awards and 10 million plus downloads. This is the one and only my friend, fellow podcast host, Jeff Sanders. Jeff comes back on the show today to share vulnerably, and I say vulnerably with a big V, like he shares vulnerably today about the price that he has paid as a productivity coach in his own productivity which it seems like this is always the case for us, isn't it? The wounded healer, the wellness practitioner, the coach, we all actually teach what it is we need to learn. Well, Jeff is going to talk to us about what happens when we try to white knuckle productivity. And I think you're really going to take home, well, I know you'll take home some powerful tips and strategies that you can use right now, like right when you're done with this show, you're going to get some tools and some tips to practically use, especially in the morning tomorrow. So in this podcast, you're going to learn how to meet the demands of time and the human dilemma, why we have this little piece of our brain that always checks off boxes because it gives us this uh, really false sense of self-worth. You know, the more we do, the more we're worth. It's not true. You'll learn about the toxic pressure of hustle and bustle and how to revamp your productivity skills when you switch a career or simply when you want to break from the grind. Jeff's going to share about his wake-up call in the form of a panic attack and multiple health issues that became a new barometer for his outlook on productivity. You'll learn how to be more spacious and more productive, which at first thought might be counterintuitive. But this is the one secret Jeff is going to share. It's going to allow you to balance spaciousness and productivity. We'll also talk about how to build habits for a better life and Jeff's spiritual connection to productivity. I'll share how trauma, I believe, shapes motivation for many CEOs, why so many people are trying to prove something and be more productive from a space of unprocessed trauma. And we'll talk about why more is rarely the answer and the incessant quest for more, more, more all the time that is actually killing us. And lastly, the hidden cost of modern world productivity, and it'll shock you, Jeff actually thinks email isn't that bad. Jeff will share with you about inbox hygiene, which will help you no matter what you do in life. Make sure you head over to our sponsor today. I'm excited for this episode. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good one. Make sure you head over to our sponsor for this podcast, wellnessforce.com forward slash Paleo Valley. I love Shauna and the team. I love Autumn and the team at Paleo Valley. I just ordered, no joke, 50, about 50 of the turkey and beef sticks. I'll give you a hint. The jalapeno is the bomb. It's the most amazing snack. It's healthy for my gut right now. I'm actually doing an antifungal protocol, which I'll share more about later. But no matter if you eat paleo or Mediterranean or just eat clean, this organically farmed beef stick or turkey stick is the perfect snack for your gut. And you can get 15% off with the code Josh. That's capital J-O-S-H over at wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Get some turkey sticks and some beef sticks for the healthy snacks you and your family can enjoy and use the code Josh for 15% off your order over at wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Now I said that three times because our sponsors are amazing. And I feel like, you know, if we're all just going to buy healthy products anyways, you may as well do it and support the show. It's actually less expensive for you. You save a ton and it supports our sponsor and it supports us. So thanks for your support. I really appreciate you so much. Now let's dig in with Jeff. I really love Jeff's energy. It's a wonderful conversation with a superb podcast host. 
I always love interviewing podcast hosts. They're so phenomenal at speaking and Jeff is amazing. Let's tune in right now with Jeff. Jeff, welcome back to Wellness Force. Thank you, Josh. I'm excited to be here today. Me too. You know, this is cool. Most people just know your voice, but now they get to see your voice, which is really awesome because That's you're always here a fun with us. experience. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can see the man behind the microphone, which is really cool. And um, I was excited for this and I've been excited for this for a couple months. I actually got a sinus infection, which I've been honest with my community about. And you and I have shared similar struggles around sinuses. And I was talking before we recorded and I was thinking about what is the barometer that we all have for stress? Everybody's got a different indicator for like how full they are on stress and and how that relates to our productivity. So it's really fascinating to me, man, for maybe let's start here for people that don't know you, maybe they haven't heard you on our previous episode 169, where we talked about your book, the free time formula. Mm. If they don't know you, Jeff, just give them like a couple sentences, maybe a short paragraph of who you are. And then we'll dive into all the other things I mentioned. Well, in a nutshell, my business, my life has been focused on productivity, healthy habits and personal developments. And so I have a podcast called the 5am miracle. I have a book with the same title, second book you just mentioned, The Free Time Formula. And so basically what I do is I coach people, speak, create online courses, all kinds of content around basically trying to figure out how to optimize our time. That's been my primary objective. And then I interweave other themes through that as well. But time management kind of is the core of, of what I do. It's funny because some people say time is an illusion. It's a man-made thing. And I'm like, well, try to tell that to your boss, you know, <laughs> or try to try to tell people that like you'll meet them there at six and you say, oh, time doesn't exist. Sorry, I'm an hour late. Right. Uh, we all deal with this. We all deal with productivity and really the cost of the modern world. I feel like, Jeff, we all just need a massive, deep breath. And you yourself have had unique struggles around how to actually put all these places and things and people into your schedule. But you do a really good job when you teach others how to do the same. It's interesting because when I very first started podcasting, I, I was like, what do I do? What order do I do it in? And how do I learn and how do I grow as fast as possible? And I think that's not only the entrepreneur's dilemma. I also feel like it's just the human being, the parent, um, the entrepreneur, just the human being learning curve there. When did you actually in your life first start leaning into productivity and really being interested in getting things done? What, how did that occur for you? It's not something that I think people um, wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a productivity expert. I'm going to teach <laughs> other people how to do that. Is it because of your own struggles or was it more uh, pleasure that pulled you rather than pain? There were a couple of kind of eye-opening events, I guess, that happened for me. The first one I think took place in college when I was trying to figure out how to organize my schedule, because college for me was the first time I was ever really on my own and had to figure out when do I go to class? When do I study? When do I sleep? And, you know, I didn't have a parent to tell me what to do. And so it was on me to figure that out. And so my schedule became really important to me. And I started this weird habit that I don't do today, thank God, because it was a bad idea of recording every single thing I did every day. I was really detailed in writing down past tense. Here's what today was hour by hour. Here's what I did. And I had this really detailed calendar that looking back at it was a lot of wasted time just keeping track of data. But it was showing me that I was really interested in figuring out like, what did I do today? Was it effective? How can tomorrow be better? And I took that into life after college. And one of the jobs that I had was the registrar of a career college, which is a random job I fell into. What it basically is, is a glorified administrative person who is in charge of 
amazing amount of paperwork and details and data. And I was forced to be organized to do that job. And it was a very fast-paced, difficult job. And I ended up excelling in it because I learned the skills, applied them, and realized I'm really good at this and I really enjoy being productive. It's fun to get things done and check boxes. And I wanted to to learn more about it. And that's, for me, what then led to blogging about it, coaching people yeah. about it, eventually podcasting about it, because I wanted to share these lessons of not just time management, but how do you focus better? How do you get more value from the time that you have? How can your day finish with this like sense of accomplishment as opposed to this sense of exhaustion? And for me, that became this really just interesting topic I wanted to dig into more, and I've been doing it for over a decade now. I don't know if it was in Cal Newport's book, but I remember reading about the dopamine and serotonin release that happens when we tick boxes. Oh, yeah. It's right? real. Like It's real. It's real. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that because I feel like this is gearing us towards the bulk of our conversation of like this price that we pay mm. for being productive. We can become, Jeff, if we're not aware, like victims to our brain, to our ancient brain, to our limbic system, to the reward circuitry that we're constantly seeking novelty, right? We're, we're novelty seeking beings. What is it about our psyche and especially in your work and all your research that you found when it comes to the dopamine serotonin element of, quote, getting things done, ticking all the boxes? What is that about us that drives us so deeply to tick boxes <laughs> and to get things done? And how, and how can that be sometimes uh, deleterious to us actually getting things done? Well, I think to a certain degree, we're all seeking meaning in our lives. And it plays into this idea that we're, we want to know that our lives have value and something is happening. And I feel like the one way to prove that to ourselves is to check a box. And it, it's kind of this, you know, very like tangent thing. It's like a like physical thing in front of us. If you use a, a physical planner or even a digital app, if you do something that confirms that like I'm doing something worthy today, I matter today, this is important. I'm, I'm doing something of value in the world, even just personally, doesn't matter. You want that sense that like my life matters and I feel like that's what productivity is, is confirmation that my time is well spent. And so the dopamine hit is your brain saying like, hey, I want more of that. I want to feel like we're going somewhere today. We're making forward progress today. And those checks you, you make on a, a to-do list is just more of that momentum and that snowball effect to build you up to do more, which of course then plays into doing more, which is exactly the problem yeah. that we all find ourselves in is that that can't be the end game. Checking more boxes is not the point right? Dopamine hits is not the point. It's just an effect that our brain has. And we need to recognize that and work to the advantage of saying, well, let's do things that matter, but we have to stop at some point. We can't let this, this train ride just continue forever. So for me, that's always the biggest challenge is, is managing for myself and for those I work with is figuring out how do you have that sense of accomplishment and meaning with your work but let's do so in a balanced way, in a healthy way, in a, in a, in a productive way long term, but also a way that is going to allow you to do this sustainably for as long as you can. One thing that I felt, and I'm curious how you feel about this, is so many of us, we will know we have this massive, let's say it's a book to write or mm. um, an eight hour podcast preparation where I'm diving into someone's psyche to pull out the best questions possible. Like for me, sometimes those aren't as dopamine and serotonin rewarding. And so I will find myself cleaning the bathroom sink or <laughs> doing all these other activities that, that tick my boxes. But the big thing that I really want to do, and I think I've heard Stephen Pressfield talk about this and he has this metaphor of resistance, you know, it's the oh, resistance. Yeah. So, so what is that exactly? And, and how do we become more friends with that? How do we love that part of ourselves 
to where we're not going into a shame spiral, beating ourselves up for doing all these other micro tasks when really I think we're, we're scared or possibly we're addicted to the micro instead of loving the macro. So I have this phrase I call clean house syndrome where I clean my house instead of doing anything else that's important to my life. And yep. so one indication for me of if today was valuable is how clean my house is. If my house is spotless, today was a waste of a day. Like that's a very simple way to say, like, I know for myself, like I'm, I'll do the laundry, I'll do the dishes, I'll pick up around the house because I work from home and after seven years. And so people think that working from home on paper sounds way better than going to an office. And I disagree on so many levels, mostly because it's not what you think it is. It, it, it is an endless array of distractions. Working from home is like the most, the worst place ever to do a lot of work. Now, unless you're super disciplined or you don't care about a clean house or whatever, but for most people, the environment that you're in makes a huge difference in how you're able to focus and get things done. And so for me, those micro tasks of cleaning my house give me a dopamine hit because it says, I know the laundry needs to be done. I know the dishes need to be done. And when I do them, I get that same sense of accomplishment, even though they are very tiny on the scale of things that actually matter. And so my day would be much better spent starting off doing something significant that actually moves the needle with my goals. And then at the end of the day, maybe in the evening hours, I can do things that are a little less critical, but still important, like household chores. And so it's figuring out, in a lot of ways, the puzzle of the calendar and kind of the Stephen Covey big rocks analogy. How do you get your big important stuff scheduled so that you're guaranteed to get it done versus you find yourself just seeking distraction through any means necessary? Yeah. So let's talk to the parents or maybe people that are going to be parents or have the desire to be parents. Cause I'll tell you, it changes. When I was thinking about the distractions, I was like, you have two children, you have two babies. I have one. Well, I will have uh, two. You, also, you will have two. The second when, one's when due in the, two months. Okay. So by the time this comes out, you'll be either had the baby or about to have the baby, which okay. is like a whole nother world of love yes. and distraction. So when we're parents, um, gosh, the game changes so quickly because Everything from like hearing the baby cry to working at home and maybe helping out our spouse and just being there. How do you create not blinders, but how do you create healthy boundaries? Mm. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. It's not being a slave to our brain, not being a slave to the ticking of the boxes and the dopamine. How have you personally, man, managed this? to where you hear a crying baby or your dog is scratching at the door and all these different things. Is there, is there certain bright lines that you place in uh, maybe verbally to your spouse or verbally to your friends or in your calendar? Like how does that structure work for you? Well, I mean, if I take off my headphones right now, I can hear my dog barking in the other room. Uh, I put him in the furthest corner I can from the microphone. So you can't hear him. I can. I but, can't hear him. Yeah. Right. So my, my microphone's, you know, a fancy one. So it kind of blocks a lot of sounds, but like, He's the distraction, right? My little pug is awesome, but he's the worst thing in the world for interviews. So he has to go away. But that's a simple example of a boundary that I've set where, you know, he's got his treats and he has his little bed and he's put away so that I can do my work. And the same thing is true for my wife who works from home um, probably half the week. And so when I need a focus block of time, which is what I call those, my F-bots, that's the acronym I use, those focus blocks of time are incredibly valuable for myself and my wife uses those as well. And so she works in her office in the house and I work in mine. And when I need a focus block, I close my door and I put a little post-it note on the outside of the door that says F-Bot. So she knows this is my time. And if she needs to come in, don't. 
because I'm doing something that really matters. And oftentimes it's a recording or something. And so what I want to be able to do is define that boundary to say, you know, this time that I'm spending is like, it's my time. And she has her time and I will not interfere with that as well. Now, these aren't endless blocks. It's not eight hours a day, but it might be an hour or two, you know, here and there throughout the day to guarantee some some focus because we have to identify the things that are going to distract us the most and then individually go through those distractions and figure out, you know, if my phone is bothering me, put it on airplane mode like mine is right now. If my email bothers me, we'll turn the program off or download an app like Freedom that blocks the internet from you or blocks certain websites from you. And to make sure that like those tendencies that we have to distract ourselves, we have something in place to say, I'm not going to be a victim to my own desire to just distract myself endlessly because you could spend all day being busy doing stuff and nothing gets done at all. And all that really means is you've been seeking distraction because we all do. Even you know someone like me who claims to be this productivity expert, it's I'm just as much of a victim of this as anybody else. And I need the boundaries just as much as anybody else. And so I'm looking for myself for every opportunity I can to guarantee the result that I want. And that means extraordinary focus is for me the absolute best path there. And that means identifying if this is an issue, let's go talk to my spouse in my in my house. Let's talk to my coworkers if I'm in a, you know, a co-working space. Let's figure out a plan for all of us that allows for the time we need to do the things that we care about. And for most people, group work should be a defined amount of time. Individual time is often the most productive time for most people. And so you need to have guaranteed individual time and then some guaranteed social time to have those interactions. But it can't be this constant chatter because then nothing really ever gets done at all. Yeah. Careers can be a moving target. Like so many people, I think it was millennials every two years, they either change careers or change jobs. Yes. So what you're talking about is beautiful. Like, I love the sticky note on the door. I mean, that's like a thing everyone can do. Well, it's like an right? on-air like, sign in a radio station, right? And literally. I've, I've almost bought one because they, they sell some you can actually have installed by an electrician in your house and they will, you can literally have a switch and just turn it on and the on-air sign will go. I'm, I'm probably going to end up buying that. But like, that's the fancier version of a post-it note. But it's the yeah. same thing. It's an, it's an indication that says like, you know, don't come in. I'm doing something important right now. Yeah. So as people are shifting and they're going to different careers and maybe someone's like a data analysis person and then they go to be a sales consultant or they go to be in the media world. Gosh, it's, it just feels like the target moves so quickly now. And I'm curious how you see the speed of life. Does it feel to you that in the past five years, life has sped up? 100% or 500% or whatever the Why number is that? would be. Why are we all, everyone I talk to feels the same way. And it's not just because I'm a parent. Right. It, it almost feels like time itself is squeezing and accelerating right now. What is that? We have this really aggressive pace for, I think technology is probably the greatest indicator of that. You can see the pace of technological evolution. I mean, I just got a new iPhone yesterday and that's another example of I'm, I'm buying new tech because new tech is available. Um, I bought a new app yesterday too. Like I'm like, I'm in this mode all the time of like, I'm acquiring new stuff. I'm buying new things. I'm constantly looking for new things. And part of that is, you know, the job that I have as an entrepreneur and I run a business, I need to mm. make advancements, but everyone feels this way. It doesn't matter what job you're in or what your career path is. We all have this same, like cumulative sense of we're all in a hurry. Like everything has to move right now. And I just 
it's weird too, because even as a guy who works from home, I'm not like downtown in the middle of a busy city, you know, with like hustle and bustle. Like I'm literally alone most of the time. And I still feel that sense of pressure. And it's like this bizarre cultural shift that we've all made that says we want more, we want it now, and we have to move. And we're all behind all the time. And there's no such thing as downtime because if it is, you're lazy. And if you watch Netflix too long, it means you screwed up today. Like there's this, this really bizarre, messy, honestly, like an incorrect version of living. And I don't really know how to correct it culturally. I only know how to create boundaries for myself. And I feel like that's my only real, I don't know, direct action I can take to kind of counter what's happening. It's wise because I think from an early age, I wanted to like change the world. I want to make the world a better place. And I'm uh, reminded day and day again, I only can change myself. I can only be in control. Well, somewhat fleeting control of myself. And I'm curious if you feel like, do do you feel like we always teach what we most need to learn? 100%. I've done that my entire career. Um, How's that played out for you? I view my job as group therapy. So what I'm doing is I am doing a podcast and I will talk about a problem. It's my problem. I've got an issue and maybe I found a solution (laughs) for it. Maybe I didn't, but I'm just sharing with the world the issues that I have. And I do that through blogging. I do it through coaching. Like I'll ask my coaching clients for help because I'm like, I know you hired me, but I have a question for you because everything that I'm doing is that kind of, I'm seeking solutions for my own problems. Like for me to say like that I am a, a knowledgeable person about productivity is really to say that I struggle with productivity a lot and I'm trying to figure out how to get better at it. Or if I talk about distractions all the time, it's because I'm distracted. And yeah. that is just an indication of what I'm working through. And I think a lot of us are doing that is we're seeking these answers. And sometimes it comes through with us making a whole business around our own problems. But that's kind of what it is. That's like me with wellness. So my greatest challenge and learning in life is wellness. And so I have a business where I talk about physical and emotional intelligence so we can live our life well. I mean, hello, like bell ring. I feel like I am constantly learning. And I think that's the only way that we can really lead. I don't know the author, but it's this this learning leader metaphor where it's like instead of leading from the front, you're actually in the middle of the group Mm. and you're like leading as you're learning with everyone else. And I think that's why people love you. I think that's why your podcast has grown because you're so relatable. It's like, Hey guys, I'm here. I'm teaching productivity, but I'm not perfect. (laughs) I still have my struggles. I still have my stuff that I go through. And personally, like this has played out for you in a few different ways. You share with me that um, when your daughter was first born, there was IBS and sciatica and back surgery and and sinus infection. Did this happen like all at the same time or was it spread out? Yes and no. Uh, A lot of overlap Uh there. Um, What basically happened was that, so my wife and I went through fertility treatments. So we did IVF to get pregnant, both for our first child and second child, um, because that's our only way to get pregnant. And so when that hit, um, fertility treatments are incredibly complicated. They are expensive. They are stressful. It is lots of questions with very few answers. It's a messy process. And is it just the waiting that makes it so stressful, the waiting time? Oh, it's it's waiting. It's this like sense of fear. It's this sense that this is not going to work. It's an endless process. I'll never be, a, never be a parent. I mean, there's a lot of issues that go with it. And so for me, it kicked in at a time where like it was, it was a lot to handle. I wasn't prepared for it mentally, physically, emotionally. And so it hit me pretty hard. And so I wound up with panic attacks. I wound up freaking out on a number of levels prior to her being born. 
And then after she was born, things settled down for a bit, but then they didn't. And I thought that I had it handled and I really didn't. Sciatica kicked in, which is a stress-induced, you know, your back tightens around your nerves and you end up with this extraordinary pain that for me wound up being a slip disc and I had to get back surgery to correct it. On top of that, at the same time I was having back surgery, I was having these crazy IBS symptoms. So digestive problems, seeing GI doctors, all of this stuff that to me was like, here's a physical problem with a, you know, medical solution, not realizing the whole time, like this is a stress problem. This is an emotional issue. This is inside. And I am, in some ways, I am the cause of all of this. And if I can change myself, I can respond differently to life and not have to be beat down physically by all this stuff. Um, You could argue that a lot of this is there's physical reasons for it. But like really at the end of the day, I didn't have these issues until I did. And when I did, there were very specific reasons for it. And looking back at it now, it's pretty easy to pinpoint But as you're going through a a difficult season, it's really hard to have that outsider's perspective on your own world, to see your own blind spots, to see where you're failing and not even knowing it until a consequence hits you and it's pretty intense. So that was essentially my experience. (laughs) That's why it's a blind spot because you don't even know you don't know. It's like so in the dark that even with your greatest heart uh, intention, even with everything that you know, you don't know what you don't know. So what was the pinpoint? You said you could pinpoint it. What was the pinpoint where you were like, oh, did you have an aha moment or was it more like a cumulative awareness? It was an overtime thing. Um, the, the, very, the first time I got that awareness was when I went to the ER for a panic attack and the doctor in the ER told me that I was killing myself. Uh, that was a wake up call. And that happened huh. the year before my daughter was born. And so I was already in a pattern of working too hard, scheduling too much, pushing my boundaries, not sleeping enough which is ironic because that's all the things I teach is how to go to bed on time, wake up early, you know, yeah. dominate your day. I was dominating my day 24 seven for months that led up to a series of panic attacks that I caused. I could have slowed down. I could have made a different schedule. I could have prioritized my health and I chose not to. And so going to the ER was a massive wake up call. After that, it was a series of figuring out, well, how do I live smarter? Because each time that I have these physical reactions, whether it's an IBS symptom or a sciatica attack or whatever, it was this question of like, what is really going on here? And how do I live a life that doesn't cause these problems? And it was, it took about probably two or three years of going through this stuff before I was able to finally put some pieces together to say, here's a life I want to live that is going to be a little less stressful, a little more intentional, and just piece by piece, be able to add those things together and so it, it wasn't just an overnight success thing as just a cumulative yeah. effort of figuring out how do I live better and with more awareness. And it's hard, especially when you're going through pain. It's difficult to figure out how to navigate out of that. It's crazy that somebody had to say, hey, Jeff, you're killing yourself. Well, what's funny, to go, too, is oh. that what I experienced is a common thing for men in their early 30s, which is exactly when it hit me. So this is a whether it's like a seasonal thing with like, and you have a, a house and, and a wife and a you know job or whatever the thing is, like men in their early thirties tend to get hit with similar symptoms. And sometimes those symptoms, you know, are fine. You, you deal with it. Other times it hits you with what feels like a heart attack, which is what my issue was, is that I had a panic attack that felt like a heart attack that led me to getting EKGs and doctor appointments and all this stuff just to find out actually I'm healthy on the charts, but internally like, there is something really wrong here. And if you don't correct yeah. it, you'll actually have a heart attack down the road. 
Man, this is the science of psychoneuroimmunology, which is literally thoughts become things. And yes. whether you're woo-woo or scientific, psychoneuroimmunology is real. Um, when we are constantly swept up in the default mode network, we're seeking for danger all the time. Mm. We're not breathing. We talked about this on, on your podcast. Like if we're not breathing, there's literally nothing we can do to calm ourselves down, to be focused, to be attentive, to be in our hearts. And so for you, you said it was this two, three year process. What was one of the most challenging things that you had to let go of or be honest about with yourself? And I'm saying this because, man, I can feel the people with us watching and listening. I guarantee you somebody is dealing with exactly what you're talking about because that's the nature of our world, especially yeah. here in America. So what was, what was one of the things that was really hard to let go of or be honest with yourself about? I think it comes down to the concept that we can do anything, but we cannot do everything. And as a type A, highly caffeinated, go, go, go kind of guy, my tendency every day is to check all the boxes. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, my version of success for so many years was just how many boxes did I check today? And that is a lifestyle that's designed to fail. It's one's designed for panic attacks because you can't live that way. That's not a, a life. It's just annoying after a while because you just <laughs> exhaust yourself trying to do so much. So my biggest kind of lesson after all of this was how do I live a life where the things that matter get done and then I stop and the day is over and I allow myself the chance to breathe, the chance to slow down, the chance to just be present for a few minutes, a few hours at the end of the day. And that's a difficult transition if you're used to just pushing all the time. It's a, a different way of thinking about how your time is spent, about who you are as your identity Right? Like, am I, am I no longer a high achiever because I stopped work at 3 p.m. today, which is what I now do because my daughter's daycare gets out at 3.30. So my day ends at 3.30. I pick her up. We go to the gym together. I have some de-stressing time there. I come home. I make dinner. I go to bed. Day's over. My workday is done at 3.30. That was never the case before this. I was working until 10 or 11 p.m. Like, that was, and you can't do that indefinitely. And so for me, it's just these awareness kind of epiphanies and moments that said, let's identify specifically what my habits look like, where they're taking me, what changes I can make that are logical. These are not difficult to see most of the time. We just have to be willing to accept that like I can make these changes and get the results I actually need and then redefine for yourself what it means to, to live a healthier life. Were your parents driven too? Ironically, no. Actually, I'm, I don't know where my drive came from. Because if you look at my parents, like they are, I don't know, average people. They're not like psychotically trying to do too much all the time. Yeah. Neither is my brother. Neither is, you know, my close friends sort of, as we grew up, we were kind of an ambitious crew, but I took it on a whole new level. And I honestly don't know where my personal drive came from. And I, I'd be curious to know what that was. <laughs> so when you look at the road ahead, it's so different than the one you walked because doctor said you're going to die, first of all. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, the road ahead involves, it seems like Jeff, more breathing, more emotional intelligence. Like yeah. how have you understood what that even is? People throw this word around. I actually, I, I actually disagree. This is going to be a little polarizing. Ooh. I disagree with some of the points in the original author, Emotional Intelligence and Emotional Intelligence 2.0, because I felt like the book actually had more of like a driving productivity angle to it. And for me, it feels like, tell me how you feel about this, less productivity for the man who's built his life on productivity, or is it just a different f uh, form of productivity with more spaciousness? 
less is the answer. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's the, which I think really comes down to identifying specifically a couple of things that move the needle and letting go of the rest of it. So I'm gonna give you a simple example here. You know, a lot of what I do is online business. And so I have a website, I've got a podcast. Technology drives a lot of what I do. And the world of tech is an endless parade of nonsense. I mean, it's, if you wanna go down a <laughs> rabbit hole today, oh, it's beyond. you could spend your entire life reading blog posts after article, digging into the new tech here or there. It will suck you in. And I've been yeah. sucked into that for years at a time trying to, figure out the next you know, little iteration I can make here or there, learning, I, I taught myself how to code HTML and CSS and like really dug into this stuff. And it's not required. It's not necessary for the work that I do. It's like, what am I doing? Why do I care so much? And it's, it's catching myself in those moments saying, I'm spending time on things that honestly do not have to happen. And in my second book, I define this as nonsense. That's, I use that term very specifically mean that nonsense is anything you're doing that just never has to get done. And if you spend your life doing those things, you get the results of that time, which is probably not where you want to be or getting the results you expect to get. And so for me, I'm just trying to figure out, well, how do I spend my time doing the things that produce the value I really want? Not these like little tangents that I find myself in rabbit holes I'm down all the time because I just, well, that looks shiny. Let's go there. I, I can't live in the reactive shiny mode all the time. I watched this um, series on Netflix. I watched a couple episodes. Marie Kondo. She's like oh, the yeah. organizational person. Do you know about her oh, work? Yeah. Do you like it? I mean, it's really a, a minimalism perspective, right? You mm -hmm. own the things that spark joy. You get rid of the things that don't. Um, exactly. I consider myself to be a struggling minimalist. So I am always striving to have less, but I also like to have more. And so in my house, a lot of things come in. A lot of things go out. I'm like physically like that's the stuff that I own. Yeah. I'm striving for a sense of like a nice, happy medium where the things I own produce value. And if they don't, then they're out. And so like, I'll give my examples, my studio here, I rebuilt last year during COVID. And so the actual technological like stuff that's in my office are specifically chosen. Like I have these things here because they provide the value I need. And if I'm not actively using it, it's in my garage stored away or I'm going to sell it and get rid of it. Like it's not going to stay in my life. And that's a process to go through, especially when you accumulate a lot of things over time. But the more intentional that I've been with my physical stuff, the more that the spaces I live in every day actually do spark joy for me. They actually do produce yeah. that sense that I get to be here today. I get to experience what this is now. It's not a source of stress. It's actually the opposite. I feel this pull to say, let's go create today. Let's go be in this space and make things happen. And that's such a better place to be emotionally and that drives me forward in a good way. Yeah, it's like push versus pull. Like people that maybe have a career right now, Jeff, where they're not that stoked on their career. Right. Or they think about their job and they're actually, they're pushing themselves to go to work instead of being pulled. Being, like you said, joy. Or condo talks about sparked with joy. Is that what the road ahead looks like for you? And how can you give wisdom to somebody who wants to create that type of road ahead mm. where they're actually being pulled into their life and pulled into their career rather than like having to spark motivation and, and drive themselves and, and push themselves. It's just such a different come from. There's kind of two sides of this coin. So I know there's the one that says that motivation comes after action. And there's the other that says you're going to get pulled into a future that's like almost like a, an otherworldly source, like you're being called to do something. And I feel like these are two forces in my life I'm competing with. 
So then the first point about, you know, your motivation comes after action. If you're trying to get physically fit and you're laying on the couch and you're overweight and you're like, I should go for a run. I should go to the gym. It, you're not excited about it. It's not a, like a fun activity. It sounds like torture yeah. sometimes. But if you actually physically move your body, the more you do that, the more you're like, oh, I'm, I like this. I'm good at this. Then the endorphins kick in later, but it's a delayed effect. And you have to move your body for a while to get into that pattern. And what I've seen is that's true for a career. It's true for uh, side hobbies is that the more active you are in your life and the more motion you're creating, the more that energy is kind of built up. And then all of a sudden, because I'm going to the gym every day, I have new business ideas. I have more creativity around how my house is going to be organized. I'm more excited to go to my daughter's activity tonight. Like all of a sudden things are in motion, which I think is what oftentimes when you're stuck, when you're between projects or you're not sure what to do next, physically moving your body and going places and doing things and talking to people and engaging in life is what stokes all that creative energy that then allows you to make the next step. You don't have to know where you're going to be in five years, but you do have to have a lifestyle that generates ideas, that generates emotion and energy, because that's what leads to the next creative breakthrough. And so whenever I've been stuck, I know it's like, I should read a, read a really good book today, go to the gym today, right? Do activities that are going to get me going. And then I'll take it from there. My brain can just run with those, that, that energy, that foundation without me just kind of wallowing in feeling stuck, which doesn't actually get you unstuck. Mm, there's so much there. Rewind that and watch that again, <laughs> because um, so many of us get the good ideas in the shower. And I'm like, yes. well, what's happening in the shower? There's water, which water is a very feminine energy. It's a very cleansing energy. There's water cleaning away. You're moving in the shower. Like that's why people get like million dollar ideas in the shower. Cause there's oh, yeah. energy moving. There's water moving. And by the way, if you guys don't know this, you need to be paying attention to how you drink your water. That's a whole nother podcast, but mm. look at um, all the, the hidden, the hidden messages in water is the book. I mean, it's fascinating. Mm. So the reason I'm saying this is because Jeff talked about movement and physical movements, one of them, but also Jeff, like there is a movement of the fluid in our spinal column through breathing. And I know we did an incredible, you're such an amazing host. We had did an awesome podcast about breath work on, on the 5am podcast. Have you used this in your life? How has breath work uh, been a part of your life? Is it something that you're leaning into? Like, how do you move beyond just the physical? How do you move the energy inside of yourself besides just physically? Ayurvedic medicine, as well as all the ancient and contemporary masters in health and wellness have taught us for centuries about the powerful benefits of apple cider vinegar. But what do we do when we want to take the ACV, but we don't want to expose our teeth to acids? Most people don't know this, but apple cider vinegar is an acid and prolonged exposure to acids can damage your teeth. So how do we get in the brain boosting, blood sugar stabilization, stamina, focused energy and healing powers of this ACV without ruining the enamel on our teeth. This is where it gets easy with our partner, Paleo Valley, creators of the apple cider vinegar complex taken easily in tablet form without busting your tooth enamel. Paleo Valley created the ACV complex to meet getting organic apple cider vinegar into your body easy, fast, and without having to tolerate the taste, you know, that kind of like, ugh. <laughs> Have you ever done a shot of apple cider vinegar? I know a lot of people that literally just can't handle the taste. So this is all your organic turmeric, ginger, Ceylon cinnamon, and lemon on top of the organic apple cider vinegar combined with these superfoods. It's nature's way of saying you're welcome. 
ACV can stabilize blood sugar, promote weight loss, and improve protein absorption and digestion, as well as the big one, stopping heartburn symptoms. Heartburn symptoms are typically caused by too little stomach acid, not really too much. This apple cider vinegar complex makes getting this organic ACV into your body fast and easy and without having to choke on the taste of normal ACV. You can do this. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh and get 15% off your apple cider vinegar complex. That's wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh to get 15% off your ACV complex. How has breathwork uh, been a part of your life? Is it something that you're leaning into? Like, how do you move beyond just the physical? How do you move the energy inside of yourself besides just physically? So I know that you love Asana as much as I do, I think. Um, I do. I There's a yeah. sauna at my gym. And so what I do in the afternoon is I take my daughter to the gym. She goes in her daycare. I go lift weights. And then I finish my workout in the sauna. And that's my time for breathing, which was never a thing before. I was never intentional with breathing until I made the sauna habit intentional. And so my time to get really sweaty and hot and gross and you know detox from my workout is when I'm very intentionally breathing in a way that relaxes me, that allows me to really tap into just, I don't know, like a quieter version of myself every day. Yeah. Like, that's even a though, good like right now, it. it's, you know, 10 a.m. and I've had one coffee yeah. and I'm, I'm kind of moving at 4 p.m. tonight when I'm at the gym, I'm going to really slow the pace and that really takes me down a few notches. Um, I mean, to uh, pair that with, I actually I stopped drinking alcohol this summer and for the first time in my life, like I totally gave it up. And I'm really glad that I did because it pairs me with this new focus on me being intentional with every single thing I'm doing. And a big part of that is how I breathe and intentionally when I breathe and what I'm doing when I breathe. And I feel like there's like a new version of me that's like emerging like right now. And that's coming from this very intentional practice of saying I want to give myself the chance to breathe properly, to detox, to slow down. And that's coming from these very simple practices and it's, it's a profound thing. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. I feel like my higher self, bear with me. I'm going to go a little woo right now, mm-hmm. but I think you'll feel me. I feel like my higher self is watching both of us and your higher self. We have these lower self and higher self. Maybe you could call it the 1.0 versus the 2.0. But we have this higher self version where we, when we close our eyes and we visualize something ahead of us is so much grander, so much more balanced, so much more integrated, so much more powerful than we ever could be in this current moment. What do you feel like your higher self is pulling you towards? It's a really good question. So I'm listening uh, again to the audiobook from James Clear called Atomic Habits. And that book is just, you know, a very simple breakdown of what habits are and how they operate. And have you what- gotten to interview him? I did before, actually. I interviewed him when uh-huh. the book first came out. And so I, I listened to it two and a half years ago and doing it again. And I feel like there is a, what I feel like I'm being called to do right <clears throat> now in so many ways is to build better systems. And that plays out with daily habits. It plays out with health. It plays out with business, with finances, with relationships that I am more intentional with what I do every day and that what I do every day matters. And that if I take my time more seriously and build systems that can over time generate the results that I want, that I am being kind of pulled into a better life. Now, specifically what that's going to turn into, I don't even know yet. I just feel really like this is the work that I need to do now for me is to reshape my systems and my habits so that those things can produce more creative energy, more possibility, 
I don't honestly have an exact plan of where it's going. I just know that mm-hmm. what I'm doing now, just it feels like I'm in a zone that I want to stay in because it's, it is producing results already. I have this sense that all roads lead to self-love. And I've said this mm-hmm. probably hundreds of times. So the audience is like, Josh, we already know this, but are you doing it? <laughs> But are you doing it? I mean, that's really what we're talking. It's the same thing with habits. It's the same thing with productivity. So Jeff, when you work with people, and I'm sure you've worked with some of like the most high performing men and women in the in the world, people that are running like massive companies that have extreme pressure and deadlines, like a backpack filled with weight. Is it always come down to how much they love and care about themselves in order to stay disciplined, not only to the things they must do, but to the love they give to themselves, the spaciousness that they give, they give to themselves, does it always lead back to in some way how much someone feels worthy and loves themselves as to how they will actually stay accountable to the things they promise they'd give themselves? I, I call that self-respect. I guess that's what the term I've used for years for myself, which is that the people that let other people run their lives don't have enough respect for their own, their own being. And that those who ha- are in touch with, you know, I have value, I can bring value, I have a, a purpose in this world, I can do something of meaning today. Like those people tend to do better work, they do more work, they do higher work. And it's, I don't exactly know where it comes from. These practices and habits can generate more of that. But there is a clear delineation between people who care about themselves and know that if they're going to do good work, they have to be at their best every day right? I can't run a million dollar company if I'm also dying inside. Like it's, that's not a system that generates results. It's one that's going to lead to bankruptcy and trips to the hospital. Like we're looking for solutions that are, yes, I have to be at a good place myself to give to others, to build systems, to build companies, to do awesome things. So the very first and only important work is me fixing me. And then all of a sudden everything else can flow from there. I also call this, in the work that I do now, a health-first approach. I'm looking for, you know, in my world of productivity, of getting things done, it's me first. It's my health first. Because then when that's in place, man, I can just do so much. And when it's yeah. not there, what, I can't do anything. If I'm struggling today to even breathe well, or to, if I have bad allergies today, or my sciatica kicks in again, like I'm not going to get work done that day. But if those things are handled, then I've got the energy and creative just opportunity then I'm going to take it and things are going to happen. Well, Jeff, it's wise, but if somebody that runs a Fortune 500 company listens to you and takes your advice, they're going to have to actually look in the mirror and see the paradox. Because the paradox is so many CEOs drive companies because they don't love themselves. They don't feel enough. Mm. And they're really coming from having to prove themselves, which is honestly what creates sometimes, not all the time, skyscrapers. Skyscrapers, in my opinion, are built by people that want to do big things, want to do great things. But if you really looked into their motivation, it's not really a pull, it's a push. Mm. And it's a push because of something that happened in childhood, some kind of trauma, some kind of parental thing. Have you seen this play out with clients as well? We've done probably over a hundred shows with different emotional intelligence experts, whether it's past life regression or generational trauma or trauma in general. Has, Has this been something you've explored either on your podcast or with clients, how trauma shapes our motivation, how trauma shapes our our pull instead of our push. You know, I was talking to my wife just recently about something very similar to that. My wife's a professor and she has doctoral students and she's working through programs to get their doctorate in education. So they're trying to become, you know, principals of schools and superintendents of districts. 
And these students are a prime example of that because a lot of them are being pulled or I guess they're pushing themselves from either difficult backgrounds, neighborhoods, uh, schools that are struggling. And so they feel this like really existential, like just drive to do really good work. But their actual personal motivation, I would argue, is coming from the sense that like, I'm trying to get through this today and I can't figure it out. So I'm just going to push in every direction and almost to the point of just being annoying in every way because I'm just like, I'm going to get my doctorate because my resume looked better and I'm going to go to get this job title because it makes me look better. And you're like, what are you doing this for? Like, what is happening here? And I see this play out with these, there's certain people that just, it comes to them because they're just, they're meant to be there. And there's others who are striving and struggling and fighting. And you're like, you are swimming upstream. You are pushing the wrong direction for the wrong reasons. And when you see that play out, it's such an obviousness of, from a third party perspective. But when they're in it, they don't see that like you're, you're pushing for the wrong goal or the, the right goal, but for the, all the wrong reasons. And when you reshape your motivation, when you know what you're there for, and it's, it's more intuitive, it's more aligned to who you are, then it's not a struggle. Then all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I'm meant to be here. Let's do this thing. Not a, an internal fight. So how does somebody improve their intuitive faculty then to know what's right and not swim upstream? They can't be overwhelmed. They can't be struggling 24-7. I think a lot of these people are just too busy. Like they don't have time to even ask the right questions to even answer them. And if, yes. you're, if you're always trying to do more, like when do you stop? When do you pause to even ask a, a, a good question? Like there has to be space for that. And if there's not, you can't, then, then you're missing the strategy element there. It's like someone who works five jobs and they're working really hard and get paid minimum wage at every job. Like you're working harder than anybody else, but your results are going to be a lot lower because what you're, the output of what you're producing isn't enough. If you re-strategize and shifted gears, you could actually work a lot less and make a lot more. And yep. th- there's, it's those types of shifts that you're looking for. It's how do we re-strategize to do the things that have a much bigger impact. And oftentimes it's not difficult. It's just a different choice. You're just going to pivot from one thing to the other. And what happens sometimes too, and I use this mirror analogy a lot, is somebody will, if they want a different life, if they don't want to struggle and swim upstream and feel like they don't have any time to think or breathe or feel, a man or a woman will have to look at who they chose as their partner Mm. because their partner can actually subconsciously fortify the old self, the 1.0. And, and the partner may not always want the 2.0, the one that's more balanced, the one that's not addicted to the roller coaster of stress. Like, have you seen this play out with clients? How do you address that? That's a really tough one because that is so important. Like, I'm very fortunate that my wife is on board with all of my crazy ideas. Oh, look at you. Am, you're, you're so fortunate. So she loves your productivity. I mean, she loves your sticky notes, all that. Well, I just did a speech recently and she attended it and, and watched my talk. And she came back, she, she took notes while I was talking. And she was like, I want to discuss these ideas with you and like dig into it more. Like oh, she actually amazing. likes the stuff I teach, which is I'm yeah. so fortunate for that because it's totally possible she could not care at all or think exactly. it's stupid. And if she was not on board with my vision of my future self, we would be screwed. You know, I, I made a big pivot 10 years ago to go vegan. And this was a big kind of like, not just my dietary choice, but like there was a lot of ethical discussions going on, a lot of like, big dietary shifts I was making. And when that took place, like she could have said, like, you're a weirdo. I'm off. I, I'm not the hippie that you're becoming. No. 
right? But yeah. instead, it take was- Take your tofu and leave, Jeff. Right, exactly. <laughs> Get out of here. So we had all these conversations that ultimately led to us being a lot more aligned as a couple. And I think mm. if you don't have that alignment, it is like trying to swim upstream. It's like trying to run a marathon with weights tied to your ankles. Like you just, it makes everything harder. And I'm not looking to make things harder. I want to figure out how to, you know, break those chains and actually do things that are a lot more like natural and designed to be happening. And if you're, that the partner you have is on board with you, it makes everything easier. But to, I don't know how to craft that. I'm not a relationship expert. I don't, I don't think you can. Yeah. I don't think I don't you know. can force something like that. I mean, maybe this is why there's compatibility, right? Like some people with, with their, this conversation I love, there's so many layers and so many fractals that connect. Mm. It's so easy to be like, oh, I'm going to reductionize productivity. I'm going to reductionize how to be successful. It don't work like that, people. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Like so many of these layers have to be unpacked and consciously learned and integrated and processed before we can actually have the dream life. And the dream life, I believe, Jeff, is where we're at peace. We have just, mm. um, you know, if we look at Lady Liberty, there's more peace than not. Right. So we're still being pulled towards something we want to create. We're still productive. Um, we still, as you've talked about before, we still have this power to say no to the things that we don't want. But there, there's not necessarily some kind of template for this. I think this is like a soul unfolding process where we gather the ingredients, we apply. And then what we talk about on this podcast, every single episode is we embody, we embody the things that we've gathered and we've applied. And that embodiment process, I think, gives us more peace and that peace can be trusted. You know, I can be really powerful from a place of peace, but if I'm trying to white knuckle something and I'm trying to like get things done all the time, people can feel that. Like you said in in Dr. Tessa's class where people are like, they're swimming upstream. You can just kind of tell that some people are there for the right reasons. And some people are there because they're trying to prove themselves. Can you speak to the person right now, just any emotional intelligence or any wisdom that you're feeling from all your experience, somebody who feels like they're stuck in that loop of trying to prove themselves, trying to be productive for the sake of like executing and being worthy, like whatever wisdom you feel like you can give to them, um, drop it on them, Jeff, because I feel like that's a lot of people. The first thing I always do with my new clients is ask them, what can you drop? Like, what can you let go of? Because I feel like there is, every single time you look at someone's calendar, their, t- their task list, their job, sorry, their, the jobs that they're working through, what they wind yeah. up with is this, what I call like the, a puzzle of the calendar. It's a big mess. There's stuff everywhere. And I look at that and I say, look, what of this stuff can just go away? Like, what of this stuff are you saying yes to that we can just drop? Because what you're experiencing, this struggle, this fight to say, like, I'm going to prove myself, is this addiction. It's very addicting to want to fill the space. And I think the white space on the calendar, the openness, the opportunity to say, I'm not going to have my day be filled with just like one meeting, then the next, and the next, and the next, and I have to go do this, and I have to go to this other you know, appointment over here. Like, instead of always trying to just say more is the answer, what you're really asking the question is, how do I create the space that I need so I have the time to think, the time to breathe, the time to re-strategize, the time to figure out who I really am and what I really want? I mean, I, I have, when I left college, my very first blog that I launched was called Graduated and Clueless because that was exactly how I felt. And that was what I, I could recognize in myself that I was missing something and looking for some answers. And so all I spent with those first couple of years was just reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, trying to talk to smart people, trying to tap into 
what am I missing? What are my blind spots? What else can I learn? And this like insatiable, you know, thirst for knowledge and this desire for personal growth is what led to me actually gaining the skills that I needed, acquiring the knowledge that I needed to make those pivots that really got me out of those scenarios that I didn't want to be in. But it really took that desire to say, like, I want to learn. I want to be a student again. I want to really think about difficult concepts and really be willing to acknowledge in my life where I'm failing, with the fears that I have, and tackle those things head on. Because it's only when you're willing to do that kind of hard work that you have the chance of a breakthrough, the chance to actually get to the next side but if we're going to run from our fears or we're going to you know, just distract ourselves with busyness all day, well, then you're never going to be able to figure out what you really want because you're just going to be ultimately reacting to what other people tell you is important for you. You know, Someone will say, you need this extra degree. You need this extra resume bullet. You're not going to be able to have the opportunity to actually ask the question, is that true for me? Is that on my path? And I can much more easily reject opportunities today than I used to. If someone used to email me and say, Jeff, you want to do this next project? I would just jump on it. Like, yeah, let's do it because I have no idea what I'm doing. So may as well versus now I can say, that's not for me. I have a better sense of who I am, of where I'm going, of what I'm trying to do. And the more clarity I have on that, the easier it is for me to then say yes to the right things that will really move the needle down the road. Whether it's a health goal, a business goal, doesn't matter. I'm much more aligned to what I know is who I'm becoming. And that's what I want more of. I love what you're sharing a lot because I think everyone, whether single or in relationship can relate. Um, the demands of the modern world, I think for as far as productivity is concerned, um, they haven't been more intense. I'm 41. I've never seen people try to juggle so many things as now here in 2001. And especially if you're hearing this in 2002, I'm sure things will be even faster. So Jeff, like if people are just, really wanting to take action, not from a frenetic place, not like, what do I do, Jeff? <laughs> if you're in that place, well, you should actually, you, you get to go read Free Time Formula. I think that was a really amazing book. So we'll link that here in the show notes. Free Time Formula is awesome. That's how you can actually cultivate the space for you to breathe. But if somebody's looking at their life and they're taking inventory, Jeff, and they're like, wow, I've really paid some price here. I've really paid some prices for being productive. How do you see the hidden prices paid? for our modern world productivity. How do you see it? What do you mean? How, how would you how would you even describe what those are? Like so what are the top 3 or what are a handful of prices that people pay mm. to be productive in the modern <laughs> world? What we sacrifice so much. There's we give up our autonomy, our freedom of choice when we are saying yes to too many things, when we're trying to be productive for the sake of productivity, we sacrifice our health, our time, our relationships. Like we are giving up our lives for ultimately a prize that we don't want. And I think that what we're really trying to align ourselves to is once we have clarity on what it is that we want, because we know it gives us the value we're striving for, our time is gonna be spent differently because we, we're not trying for that same stuff that just feels so fleeting. I mean, a simple example, you can have Facebook on your phone and check it 18 times a day, but is that going to give you the value you want with your time or is it a different activity? I mean, I literally had a news app on my phone that I deleted and replaced it with the Calm app because I would rather look at a meditation app on my phone than some news headline. I'm like a simple decision like that is reshaping how I think, it's reshaping what my priorities are, and it's allowing me to not say like I'm going to have these 
these consequences of poor time management, poor alignment to my goals, poor alignment to who I am as a person. Like we suffer a lot if we don't have these things in order. And a lot of it is just, it feels like we are victims to the world, but we don't have to be. Like we have a lot of power. Like I end every episode of my show saying, you have the power to change your life. And that's what I really believe. Like we have this ability to change, but we have to start with this awareness of where we are and acknowledge what's actually happening before we can ever make real change stick long-term. I feel like that right there was a huge mic drop. We will definitely take what you just said, put it into a nice piece of content and serve it to people who are sitting at a table of overwhelm and stress. Mm. So thank you, Jeff, for coming on the show. What an awesome conversation. And, you know, 2017 actually was when you were on. Can you believe that? Oh, wow. 2017? It's been a minute. 2017 is when, that was when Free Time Formula came out, 2017. Yeah, right around there. Uh huh. So from 2017 until now, with everything that we're experiencing, uh, forced mask wearing, lockdowns, uh, potential vaccine passports, stress, I mean, the accumulation of insanity that we are experiencing as a collective. How do you see wellness now compared to 2017? Like, how would you define wellness in mm-hmm. what you've learned over the past <clears throat> almost five years? It's funny because I think that I see a lot of stories about Gwyneth Paltrow and like the work that she does like on Netflix. So she has this really like woo woo sense of, of of wellness. And I think that yeah, the, the average goop, the person, goop series, the right? goop yeah. thing that the people are looking yeah. to someone like her and saying, well, I think that health in the next you know decade is you know getting really in touch with like going to Peru and hanging out in the wilderness. And I not that I don't like Peru. I think it's awesome if that's going to be your form of wellness. There's a lot of value yeah. there. But we're not going to fix our lives with, a, you know, a week-long vacation in a foreign country. We're going to fix our lives where we are now. Wellness has to start where you are. And it has to be this awareness that we can do a lot more with where we are today. Um, there's an interesting book that I read from, actually, one of, it's a long story here, but one of my friends from, from childhood who wound up falsely accused of a crime. It was in jail for a long time and then was released later on because they found out he didn't do it. And his time spent in prison was time spent asking himself, what can I do with this space and time that I have? And he used it to improve everything from reading a ton of books to working out like a madman. Like he had so much personal growth time in his supposed lack of freedom. I think that we, mm-hmm. we view our own lives oftentimes as, as, as prisons. We, we feel like we're trapped in our own making of, of these schedules and responsibilities and obligations, but we have the power to make these shifts and if wellness is going to start anywhere, it starts with where you are right now. And then it has to be this acknowledgement that, okay, I can do something today. Well, let's do something. And then tomorrow, maybe a little more, but we'll begin today. Jeff, amazing. Thank you for being on the show. JeffSanders.com is the website. Yes. The Free Time Formula is the book that I personally read, which I loved. And is there anything we missed, Jeff? I mean, gosh, you know, productivity is a huge iceberg. I feel like we chipped yeah. the tip. So free time formula is the great book that you guys, that's a great starting place, but, um, anything that's wanting to come through anything that anything where you've been interviewed, where people haven't asked you around productivity that you really feel like needs to be expressed. Email is not awful. (laughs) People hate email and think it's this vicious, awful monster. I view it as an amazing business tool. And I love it. And I spend a lot of time in it, maybe more so, more so than I should. Um, I only say that because when I, I view email, like I view any communication tool that leads to 
the relationships I'm trying to build. And so my intention with anything I want to do in business is forming those relationships. And I have certain, you know, strategies, apps, tactics that I use. I don't view my email as this awful monster that ends up with 100,000 unread messages that has to be tackled like some sort of awful force. Like it's just another part of my day that gives me the chance to connect with people in a way that will lead to results once. So I think it's about reshaping the tools, reshaping the strategies to figure out, do you have the things in place in your life that are working for you? And if they're not, you rethink them, reframe them and change what they are. And that means everything from your calendar, email to your task manager, all of these things should be assets, not these awful things I have to use to get what I want. Mm. Yeah, there's no liability in emailing as long as you're practicing hygiene. You talk about that in the free time formula book, yeah. which is amazing. Jeff, thank you for being here. Until Jeff and I see you again, we're both wishing you love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. What goes through your mind when you hear the word CBD? Is it confusion? Is it clarity? Well, our partner Cured Nutrition has full clarity on 100% organically farmed cannabidiol. Say that like five times fast, cannabidiol, cannabidiol. <laughs> it's way more than just CBD. It can be quite confusing out there in the world with cannabidiol and CBD. I simplified it. I did the research for the past two years. I found Cured Nutrition. I interviewed Joe on the podcast. It's episode 300. This is all the parts of the plant. They use the entire plant. You get the rich terpenes, the healing compounds that allow you to sleep well and move well. And multiple scientific research studies are showing promise around cannabidiol for pain management better digestion, and essentially amazing sleep by turning off your mind so you can rest. This full spectrum, 100% organically farmed hemp is grown in the sunshine rays of Colorado. I don't know if you've been to Colorado, but it's the perfect place to harvest powerful nutrients and plant medicine. That's really what this is. Medicine for your body and soul. I like to take the full dropper of the extra strength from Cured and put it under my tongue. I hold it for about a minute and I feel, me personally, this gives my digestion and my stomach this warm, calming, almost buzzing feeling. Give Cured a test drive. They support the show. They also support you with 15% off. Just use the code wellnessforce at wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and you get 15% off your organically farmed full spectrum hemp. The best on the market. I've tried almost all of them. This is the top of the food chain. Go to wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and use your code wellnessforce to get 15% off so you can sleep well, love yourself and love your purchase. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.